Hello and welcome to Healthy Mind, Healthy Life with your host Avik. This podcast is all about exploring the latest research, sharing personal stories and providing personal tips for improving our mental health and well-being. Each episodes will be joined by experts in the field of mental health as well as individuals who have experienced the transformative power of a healthy mind firsthand. Together we will dive into a range of topics from managing stress and anxiety to building resilience and cultivating happiness. So, join us on this journey to discover new ways to take care of our minds, bodies and souls and let's work together to create a healthier, happier world one episode at a time. So, let's get started. Hello and welcome to Healthy Mind Healthy Life. I'm your host Avik and I am absolutely thrilled to have an extraordinary guest with us today, Chris Donaldson. So welcome to the show Chris. Thank you Avik, nice to be here. Great, great. But before we uh, start delving into this topic, I'll definitely love to mention this to all of our listeners that Chris's journey of self-discovery began as a young man when he set off on a daring adventure from Belfast on his cafe racing moto guzi so originally planning a 10000 mile motorcycle road trip to australia fate had other plans for him when the iranian revolution disrupted his route so like chris wanderlust led him on an incredible 50000 mile journey high up in the andes before returning to the wellpast so his captivating memoir going the wrong way takes readers on an adrenaline fueled coming on coming of age uh, road trip like no other so chris weaves together a tale of raw experiences humor and poignant reflections that will keep you hooked until the very end so intriguingly the uh, uh, like original tradition of uh, work about serves as the backdrop of chris's journey where the path of self assessment and deep thought takes center stage so with no particular destination in mind chris embarked on a physical and psychological journey that transformed him from boy to man so now 40 42 years of age uh, later so chris is set to fulfill his original dream armed with the same trusty moto guzi lemans he's determined to ride to australia alongside his friend liam lavery so their ambitious journey will take them through europe the middle east and the asia facing not only political and geographical challenges but also navigating the complexities of covid-19 so join us as we delve into the highs and lows of chris incredible adventure his captivating book and the unwavering spirit that drives him to complete the journey he set out on all those years ago to follow chris's like epic expedition and learn more about his inspiring story visit his website that is www.chrisdonaldson c h r i s d o n a l d s o n dot world 
I'll also put this uh, website link into the show notes so that it will be easier for you to reach out to him and learn more about him. So stay tuned for an unforgettable like episode that will leave you inspired to embrace life's adventures with passion and determination. So let's dive into the extraordinary tale of going the wrong way with Chris Donaldson. So welcome to the show again, Chris. Thank you for that introduction. Make hey. it sound very exciting. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. So uh, Chris, like just to start with, like, can you share with us the moment that sparked your desire to embark on this incredible journey of self-discovery? Well, I suppose it goes back to the 70s. I was brought up in Belfast, Northern Ireland. Um, in the 70s, it was a pretty tough place to be brought up. There was bombs going off and there was a sort of minor civil war going on. Yeah. So it was a, a lot of a, kids my age wanted to get out of town. And uh, as soon as I finished my u university studies, um, I'd been saving up working Saturdays and working uh, weekends and uh, evenings to save up, to get enough money to get a motorbike and head off. And I wanted to go to Australia. Uh, well, I wanted to do it on a motorbike. Just, I'm just still not too sure about that 40 years later. I'm still trying to work that out. But I thought it'd be a fun way to do it. And um, I didn't realize it myself. I thought I just wanted to challenge, but I wanted to to ch work out what was going on in my head to get away from all the politics and troubles in Northern Ireland, but even from my parents and my friends and just be on my own and discover myself, I think. And a good way to do that is on a motorbike because you're very much on your own. Yeah. But as you say, the problem was I, I left Belfast. I got as far as London and then the uh, Islamic Revolution broke out in, in Iran and my plan to ride to India was, and Australia was stopped. So I, I had to go somewhere. So I had to, I couldn't go back home. So I had to go south. So I went to the Middle East around Israel and Jordan and Syria. Ended up in Egypt. Uh, drove across the Sahara Desert to Sudan, through Sudan, uh, through Uganda, just after Idi Amin. So it was pretty. Uh, it's the sort of places that if you decided to go to, you, you if you thought about it, you wouldn't go. But because I didn't really know. I hadn't planned to go there. I didn't know anything about it in those days, about Africa. And um, it's sort of different these days. If you want to know anything, you just Google it. Whereas in those days, you had to get a guidebook and it was going to be out of date anyway by the time you got it. So I ended up in the South Africa uh, during apartheid. I was stuck there for a couple of months and then I managed to get a job in a yacht and a race going back to Europe. Mm -hmm. And I got the bike shipped to the States as part of the deal. I rode around the States and then down through Central and South America. So I ended up in Argentina after leaving to go to Australia. So uh, that's one of the reasons the book was called Going the Wrong Way. Mm. But um, I, wonder, I wrote the book, I started writing the book uh, after I came home and I gave up because I was 22, 23. I just couldn't focus on writing a book's major. Uh, challenge, um, but I had a lot of manuscripts written, um, which I started looked at again about five years ago and decided to finish the book. Um, and I'd rather did leave that at the time in a way because it made a I was able to reflect on with the knowledge that I have now as a sixty year old of what was going on in my head when I was twenty one. Um, so I was able to bring this sort of I suppose the education of. And, uh, experience behind me to look at uh, what I was doing in those days. And then, as you say, my friend Liam uh, 
after he read the book, he said, well, you never actually got to Australia. Why not have another go? So um, we left two years ago and decided to ride in two weeks to legs because I've got a job and a wife and children now. So I couldn't just disappear for a year and a half anymore. Um, so we left and drove to Athens, left the backs there, went to the Middle East around Israel, back to Athens. And then Liam decided he'd come home. He wasn't going to go any further. So it was the start of my sort of solo travels again through uh, Tur Turkey and Iran and down to Dubai. And then the next day, because last day was through Pakistan, yeah. to uh, through Delhi and up to Kathmandu. Very up to last. So in March, I was able to get the bike flown to Australia. And um, finally made it there after 43 years after leaving Belfast. So it's one of the slowest trips ever to get to Australia. <laughs> um, but it's been fascinating to uh, compare the two journeys. One in, was 21, the end, end of my childhood, coming into the learning sort of the year, earning, earning years. And now at 65, I'm sort of coming into retirement. And it's the end of it's the coming of old age now. So it's able to reflect on what's happened in between. They say there's three stages of life: one to your you're growing up to your 21, you're you're learning, and then when uh, you're 21 to 65, sort of thing you're earning. And I think 65, you you're you're yearning for what you, you used to have. <laughs> um, so it's it's been a fascinating journey. Um, Especially the, the the last journey actually getting to Australia, I've been able to look at uh, compare myself to a, a lot of my friends are getting ret are retiring at this stage in life and becoming gardeners or playing golf. And I thought I wanted to challenge myself in a different way from when I was twenty one. Challenge myself to see if I could do what I can do when I was younger. Still, if I still have my fitness and my health, which I luckily had touch would have reasonably well so far. Yeah. Great, that, that's really great to listen to, definitely. So also, like, your book, Going the Wrong Way, takes readers on the, like, exhilarating adventure filled with highs and lows. So can you tell us about one of the most memorable peaks you experienced during your travels? Well, probably, um, I always find the destination getting to somewhere a bit of a, a low you would think you, you set in your sights to travel right across Africa to Cape Town that yeah. you get there you would be sort of euphoric having succeeded but in a way I always find it and uh, other times even going to Australia it's a little bit of a disappointment when you actually get to the end of a journey because as you said it's, it's the end of the journey it's the end of the fun it's it's the final it's like the death of the journey in a way um the highs are in the middle of the journey and probably one of the peaks was when I got to Kenya after traveling through Sudan because it was so difficult to drive a, it's hard to drive a normal or off-road motorbike across the desert, but my motorbike was an Italian cafe racer, as you said. It's made for motorways and freeways, not for sand and deserts. Um, so it's about a thousand miles of dark roads, um, breakdowns, uh, civil war, um, running out of petrol there's no petrol to be had in Sudan in those days even though it's sitting on billions of gallons of the stuff now 
they didn't realize they had petrol in those days, oil in those days. So I think probably the high was um, arriving in Kenya because I'd, I'd sort of succeeded in one of the hardest challenges of my life. Um, okay. Which probably takes me to your, your next question, which is probably one of the lowest part. <laughs> <laughs> which is probably uh, in the South Sudan, I was it was incredibly hot as we were talking earlier um the road just was had collapsed my suspension on the motorbike had collapsed I had no petrol running out of money running out of food even getting a drink of water and the and the uh, savannah was really difficult so um I ended up staying my motorbike started falling apart I ended up staying in a leprosy camp in near South Sudan um and I sort of thinking, you have to start thinking about the stage in your life. What am I doing here? How did I get myself into this mess? How am I going to get myself out of it? Because there's nobody else that's going to get you out of it. There's only yourself to to uh, to help you, you know. So, like in your book, uh, you also mentioned the political and the geographical challenges you faced. So, how did these obstacles? impact your mindset and approach to the journey? How did the, well, I suppose the political situation, I'm probably well used to that because I've always listened to the nonsense of political parties going on in, in Northern Ireland, Belfast, we've had a problem with Protestants and Catholics, Republicans and Unionists uh, for for oh, hundreds of years, but certainly in the last sort of 60s and 70s and 80s were particularly bad. So I always had a um, tried to see both sides of a political argument, but when you get to somewhere like Uganda, whenever you've got um, you know Idi Amin, Idi Amin that just left, who was a bit of a ruthless dictator in the in the eighties and the seventies, um, his attitude to politicians was he threw them to the crocodiles, which probably in reflection wasn't a bad idea, but. Um, I think Indian's, Indian politics are pretty um, confusing as well from what I hear in the papers and so on online. But um, it was certainly, you had to use my head. You can't, you're on your own. You're physically at a, a disadvantage generally because, uh, as I say, because you're on your own. If you come across a roadblock with soldiers, uh, you have to use your, your wits and your your to talk your way out of trouble um you have to certainly keep your wits about you and those in the, when i was 21 and even the last year in iran it was, it was just before the uh, problems with the headscarves but there was still a bit of antagonism against the west and some parties but generally not generally you find people are are good wherever you go um it's usually the governments and the political parties that brainwash people into thinking that there's problems and there's not exactly exactly true <clears throat> so uh, like the journey you took was kind of unconventional and uh, full of unpredictability so how did you stay resilient and motivated especially during the challenging times um i suppose it's it's a matter of uh, necessity uh, that situation whenever in the west certainly when you're growing up there's always your school or your parents or your friends or somebody to back you up uh, but when you're on your own 
you have put yourself in the firing line. You've done it on purpose. Uh, certainly, you've known. You know, if you want to go away and have a good time, you take a lot of friends with you. You've got backup support, and security. Um, as I say, last year at one stage, I was trying to find a hotel in a city in in Tehran. In those in Tehran, uh, it was dark and I couldn't find a hotel anywhere because there's not much of a, a tourism trade in Tehran in Iran, as you can imagine. So I stopped to ask some guys if there was a hotel nearby in a in a garage, in a hotel in a, a service station. And one of the guys said, "Well, I'll take you to one," and he took me down this back road and stopped in the middle of this deserted back street. And I says, "My brother's coming. He will. He speaks better English." And then this car drove up, and this guy came out and he was built like he's a bodybuilder. You know, I thought, "What am I doing here? I've driven full of these guys to back street and." I'm going to lose all my money and God knows what else. And they, of course, the guy came over and he said, oh, how nice to meet you. I've learned English at school. And how, what can I, how can I help you? Those, those friendly people, they invited me back to their house to stay and were very hospitable. So a lot of times danger is in your mind mm. um, because of what your preconceived ideas of what people are going to be like. But um iran for instance was one of the friendliest countries that i traveled through but it was the one that i was i was most concerned about before i left so as i say a lot of times it's all in the mind okay, understood so like now 42 years later you are setting out to complete complete the uh original dream of riding to australia yeah. so, what emotions and uh, reflections arise as you embark on this new chapter of your journey? Well, I guess every day I got my motorbike, as you said, I was lucky I kept the motorbike as a souvenir from my first trip, mm -hmm. little knowing that it would um, be taking about again 45 years later, 43 years later to, to do another journey the same way. The motorbike should really be in a museum at this stage, as perhaps should I. But um, it was, you know, every day you could compare what the stresses, the physical stresses and strains of riding a motorbike, um, which you can still do. But when I was 21, I could ride a motorbike all day and park up and go out and party all night. Whereas now when I ride the motorbike all day, I want to go home and go, go to bed, go to sleep and have a, a good night's sleep. <laughs> but uh, mentally... Uh, I think it's quite different because, um, as I say, before I was discovering myself, trying to learn what, how far I could push myself, what I could do, what I could succeed in, and so on. Whereas now I have a better idea of what I can do, and uh, it's a matter of learning my limitations. And it's interesting to compare my um, abilities. I'm probably able to better able to um, approach difficult situations in a way, but more experienced. I'm not so scared of some of the unknown because I've experienced so many more things now in my life that I can approach somebody in a, in a, a roadblock or something and smile rather than looking terrified. Wow. So, uh, like, uh, when we're talking about uh, the book, Going the Wrong Way, uh, I received rave reviews for its raw honesty and the humor so how did you how did the writing your memoir help you process the highs and lows of your adventure 
Well, writing a book is writing a book is another um, challenge altogether. It's um, I think there's well, there's a book in everybody. There's it's a lot more difficult than you 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 think. You start off with a blank sheet of paper and a another computer, a typewriter computer now. But um, I start realizing it's telling a story, which telling a number of stories or a whole series of stories, which have to make sense and have to keep readers interested because there's so much competition now for people with TV and radio and uh, iPhones and podca podcasts and everything else. You know? So um, it is quite a challenge. And for somebody like myself, I was always um, more practical with my hands. I was never very good at school. I was never academic. Um, but certainly, if, if there's one lesson yeah. for anybody from this, if I can write a book, anybody can write a book, because um, you don't have to be a, a an English professor to write a book. You have to have a good story to tell. Um, so it was it was quite a challenge to do it. I was very glad I did it after um, so many years' experience that I was able to put in a, a layer of. Uh, experience by what I was doing and I, I could understand what I was doing before before I was just riding a motorbike was I I can see why I was doing it and it, you know you're in the middle of a coming of age experience you don't think this is a coming of age experience you just think this is today whereas now I can reflect on it and see what I was doing I was learning about life learning about how to motivate myself how to uh, get out of situations how to deal with difficult people difficult situations and so so and so forth um, but yeah, if I can write a book, or, you know, anybody can. It's just a matter of you just have to be dedicated and certainly learn how to do it as well. I did a couple of courses, but um, it has been fascinating in a number of ways. As I say, apart from the the challenge, um, it's been fantastic because I've been able to reconnect with a lot of people that I haven't seen for forty years. Uh, girls and ladies are usually very good at keeping in touch with their friends and Facebook and writing letters and so on. But I don't know about yourself, I think, but guys generally, I find it you know, it could be great friends today and then we go off a different part of the world and we never hear from each other again. You know, we don't write, we don't send Christmas cards very often. And um, but when you meet them again, very often you start up as, as we were before, like we're old friends and time hasn't passed. So it was fascinating to meet, meet him in Australia. I met a guy um, that I sailed with 40, in 1980. I haven't seen or heard from him since. I was able to track him down on Facebook and met up. We spent the night, had a few beers, and talked as if we met each other last week, you know? So it was really quite emotional in a lot of ways like that. Wow. Great. That's really great, I would say. So alongside your friend, Liam Lavery, you will be facing the complexities of COVID-19 during your travels. So how are you preparing for this unique challenge and what precautions you took that time? Well, Liam, um, for sure, traveling across continents on a motorbike is it's not for the faint-hearted. And Liam decided he, he gave up in Athens. He decided that it wasn't for him, which was a bit annoying for me because it was his idea the whole trip. I didn't want to go. He had to talk. He had to persuade me to go, and then he persuaded me to go, and he's decided not to go. <laughs> so, but uh, I decided to go on my own anyway. Uh, COVID, different countries have different experiences. It's been a 
uh, a life-changing, I think a world-changing uh, occasion. I think a lot of countries have handled very badly, the most European countries anyway. Um, they, they exaggerated how bad it was and took over people's lives in ways that they probably shouldn't have. Um, it's been, I think there's been a lot of civil um, liberties have been lost through it and the world has gone in a different direction with cashless societies and with uh, uh, not identification cards, but it's actually worse than that. You have to have a, to get into shops in Europe to try across borders to to go to a bar or restaurant. You have to have a, a COVID pass, which yeah. to me is nonsense because it's imposed on you rather than being um, voluntary. If you want to do that, that's fine, but I don't think anybody should have been imposed on to have to, have to take a vaccine because um, they were the vaccines were now we look, look back and see that they were of limited use that the thing was going to come to an end anyway. But it did make things difficult um, with paperwork. We had to get tests across borders and so on and so forth, which most of the time are nonsense because if you had COVID, you would have it anyway. The tests were not a particularly good way of showing it. Mm. But uh, no, I think it was in the next few years there will be more and more news coming out about the um, vaccinations not being very successful. People made a lot of money out of situations that they were totally unfair, you know. And people and I are going to have to pay for that now because we lost two years of our lives and um, of normal life. Um, I know a lot of young people, especially, had missed out uh, education, the missed out university experience, for instance, that will never be repeated. Um, and I think for poorer people as well, it was very difficult because if you were rich and you had a nice house, you just stay in your house. Whereas with people in the streets or people in little apartments, it was much more difficult too. So I think it was handled quite badly in a lot of ways, um, right across the board. I'm not sure how I went in India. Understood. Great. That's great. So, like your journey has spanned decades, continents, and personal growth. So, what advice would you give to aspiring adventurers and the individuals who are seeking to navigate life's peaks and valleys with grace and the resilience? Um, I think we we over tend to overthink things too much these days. Um. My journey was the complete opposite because not for any, I did I had planned on my journey to with my visas and my uh, guidebooks and my maps to through to India and to Australia. Um, when I wasn't able to do that, I was uh, involuntarily had to cross countries without any experience, without any knowledge. But it, after after doing that been forced to do that it made me realize it's actually much more fun in many ways to to arrive somewhere when you're not expecting you don't know what to expect it's like a surprise whenever you arrive somewhere you don't know what it's going to be like um whereas now we google everything we book everything on booking.com or whatever you just know where you're going to stay how many miles it is what the roads are going to be like what you're going to do when you get there everything's very planned um and it loses a bit of the 
um, the unknown, which is the adventure side of it, I think, of that, of that situation. And it's just the way life, the world has gone because there's so much information for everybody and everywhere. Um, it's hard to drag yourself away from that. And in a way, it's stupid to drag yourself away from it because you can get into dangerous situations, obviously, if you go somewhere on the wrong motorbike like that, like, like what I did. <laughs> um, but I would sort of advice I'd give to people is take a chance and get out there and just do things that, without all the planning that we're, we're told we have to do, to do something, do something spontaneously and uh, go, go for good traveling for the sake of traveling rather than going to the destination. Wow, that that's lovely. That's lovely. So, like before we wrap up, like, can you share any sneak peeks or highlights of what we can expect in the next chapter of your adventurous journey? Well, I'm trying to write another book. I suppose on the uh, my reflections on well, the, the the journey this year, or last year, to this older stage of my life. Um, my motorbike is now in Australia. It's in a museum there. So I hope to get out to see it in the later in the year, visit it, and perhaps take it, finally take it across to America and complete a circumnavigation uh, before it's 50 years old, <laughs> before I get too old as well. Wow. That, that's, that's a great, great um, story, I would say. And it's for like for this, a great enthusiasm and passion is required. And uh, hats off to you. For, for for this and would definitely love to hear more about your uh, upcoming adventures and I, I believe people would love to listen to. So thank you for joining on this captivating episode of Healthy Mind and Healthy Life. Uh, like we hope that uh, uh, you were as inspired as you were by Chris Donaldson's remarkable journey of self-discovery as he navigated the peaks and valleys of an unforgettable adventure. So from traveling continents to facing unforeseen challenges, his story reminds us that life's journey is filled with both triumphs and the trials. So it's a testament to the resilience of the human spirit and the power of embracing the unknown with courage and the determination. So as we bid farewell to uh, Chris' enthralling tale, we invite you to reflect on the wisdom he shared. So embrace the highs and the lows of your own adventures for they shape your character and lead you towards self-awareness and the growth. So if you like to join Chris on his latest expedition, as he fulfills his long-cherished dream of riding to Australia, stay tuned for updates on his website at www.chrisdonaldson.world. Also, remember that life's journey is not just about the destination, but the transformation and the experiences that come along the way. So we hope Chris's story inspire you to embrace on your own peaks and valleys, leading to a healthier mind, body, and the soul. So as always, thank you for being a part of our podcast community. If you have enjoyed this episode, do not forget to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. So your feedback means the world to us. So stay tuned for more enlightening and inspiring episodes that delve into the depths of human resilience, growth, and the persuade of a human mind and life. So until next time, keep exploring, embracing the challenges, and 
seeking the peaks of your own adventurous journey, remember that it's in the valleys that we discover our true strength and the courage to conquer life's greatest challenges. So take care and we will catch you up in the next episode of Healthy Mind and Healthy Life. Thank you so much.